Mrs. Lirriper's Lodgings by Charles Dickens. Stories of a London Landlady in Victorian England. Episode 3. The Raising and Education of Master Jemmy. With the tragic death of her lodging house guest, Mrs. Edson, Mrs. Lirriper and Major Jackman have adopted her alone-in-the-world baby son. We now hear about the childhood scrapes of this young ward, Master Jemmy, as he grows up, and of another encounter with arch-rival Miss Wozenham, lower down and over the way. We will hear, too, of the unique system of children's education perfected by Major Jackman that prepares young Jemmy for new learning horizons. So, this is the why and wherefore of its coming to pass that the Major and I came to be parents to the infant son of poor Mrs Edson. We called him Jemmy, being after the Major his own godfather, with Lirriper for a surname being after myself. Never was a dear child such a brightening thing in a lodging house, or such a playmate to his grandmother as Jemmy. Always good and minding what he was told uh, upon the old, uh, soothing for the temper and making everything pleasanter, except when he grew old enough to drop his cap down Miss Wozenham's basement and they wouldn't hand it back up to him. Being worked into a state about it, I put on my best bonnet, gloves and parasol, and with the child in my hand, we ventured to the other side of the street and went lower down. Mrs. Lirriper. Miss Wozenham, I little thought ever to have entered your house. But unless my grandson's cap is instantly restored, the laws of this country regulating the property of its subjects shall at length decide betwixt yourself and me, cost what it may. Jane, is there a street child's old cap down in our basement? Miss Wozenham. Before your housemaid answers that question, you must allow me to inform you to your face that my grandson is not a street child and he is not in the habit of wearing old caps. In fact, Miss Wozenham, I am far from sure that my grandson's cap may not be newer than your own. Jane! You heard my question. Is there any child's cap down in our basement? Yes, ma'am. I think I did see some such rubbish lying there. Then let these visitors out and throw up that worthless article out of my premises. Ooh, to my grand wisdom. No, <laughs> this is not a street child, is it not? Ah, really? Miss, wasn't it? If this boy ain't a pretty sight to you, then I don't envy your feelings and I wish you good day. Jemmy, come along with Gran. It's my cat! <laughs> <laughs> oh, the miles and miles that me and the Major have travelled with Jemmy in the dusk between the lights are not to be calculated. Jemmy riding on the coach box, which is the Major's brass-bound writing desk on the table, with me inside the carriage in the easy chair and the Major on guard up behind with a brown paper on blowing it wonderful. I half believe we were on the old north road that my poor Lirriper knew so well. But what my inexpressible feelings were when we lost that child can only be compared to the Majors, which were not a shade better, through his straying out at five years old, eleven o'clock in the forenoon, and never heard of by word, sign or deed all day. 
The more the time went on, the more I got distracted, with the Major gone to the editor of the Times newspaper to put in an advertisement to help find him. Both of us made worse by the composed way of the police sergeant, who came round to comfort me, which he didn't at all. We mostly find them, Mum. Don't give away to uneasiness in your mind, Mum. It'll all come as right as my nose did after I got barked by that young woman of yours in your second floor. Oh! We mostly find them, Mum, as people ain't over-anxious to have what I may call second-hand children. You'll get him back, Mum. Oh, but my dear good sir, he is such an uncommon child. Yes, Mum, we mostly find that too. The question is what his clothes were worth. His clothes are not worth much, sir, for he had only got his plain dress on. But the dear child... All right, Mum, you'll get him back. And even if he had his best clothes on, it wouldn't come to worse than him being found wrapped in a cabbage leaf, shivering in the lane. His words pierced my heart like daggers and daggers. And me and the Major running and out like wild things all day long till the Major, returning from his interview with the editor of the Times, rushes into my room. Joy! Joy! Officer in plain clothes came up on the steps as I was letting myself in. Compose your feelings, madam. Jimmy's foul! (gasps) Madam? When I came to from my little faint... I found myself embracing the legs of the officer in plain clothes with brown whiskers, who seemed to me to be taking a kind of quiet inventory in his mind of the property in my little room. Yeah, Mum. Blessings on you, sir. Where is the darling? In Kennington Station House. Me and the Major and him drove over to Kennington and there we found our boy lying quite comfortable before a blazing fire, having sweetly played himself to sleep upon a small accordion, it being by this time gone half past nine at night. My dear, the education system upon which the Major commenced, and as I may say, perfected Jemmy's learning when he was so small, is a thing ought to be known to the throne and lords and commons, and then might obtain some promotion for the Major, which he well deserves. I'm going, madam, to make our child a calculating boy. (gasps) Major, you terrify me, and may do the pet a permanent injury you would never forgive yourself. Madam. Next to my regret that when I had my boot sponge in my hand, I didn't choke that scoundrel father of his with it on the spot. There, for gracious sake, let his conscience find him without sponges. I say, next to that regret, madam, would be the regret with which my breast would be surcharged if this fine mind was not early cultivated. But mark me, madam. Cultivated on a principle that will make it a delight. Major, I will be candid with you and tell you openly that if I ever find the dear child fall off in his appetite, I shall know it is his calculations and shall put a stop to him at two minutes' notice. Or if I find a mounting to his head or striking anyways cold to his stomach or leading to anything approaching flabbiness in his legs, The result will be the same. But, Major, you are a clever man 
and seen much, and you love the child and are his own godfather. And if you feel a confidence in trying, try. Spoken, madam, like Emma Lirippa. All I have to ask, madam, is that you leave my godson and myself to make a week or two's preparation for surprising you. And that you will give me leave to have access to any small articles not actually in use that I may require from the kitchen. From the kitchen, Major? Deary me, is he going to cook the child? From the kitchen. So I passed my word and the Major and the dear boy were shut up together for half an hour at a time through a certain while. has not armed him yet. At last, one day, Jimmy brings me a card in the Major's neat handwriting. The Messrs. Jimmy Jackman, Junior and Senior, request the honour of Mrs. Liripa's company at the Jackman Institution in the front parlour this evening at five, military time, to witness a few slight feats of elementary arithmetic. And if you'll believe me, there in the front parlour, at five punctual to the moment, was the Major behind the Pembroke table with both leaves up and a lot of things from the kitchen tidily set out and old newspapers spread atop of it. And there was the mite, stood up on a chair with his rosy cheeks flashing and his eyes sparkling clusters of diamonds. <coughs> Now, Mrs. Liripa, please be seated. Very well, sir. I am obedient in this good company, I am sure. Now, Jemmy, three saucepans, an Italian iron, a handbell, a toasting fork, a nutmeg raker, four pot lids, a spice box, two egg cups and a chopping board. How many? Fifteen. Top down five and carry the chopping board. <laughs> Here's a mind, ma'am. <laughs> we now come to the elementary rule, which is called... Right. We have here a toasting fork, a potato in its natural state, two pot lids, one egg cup, a wooden spoon and two skewers, from which it is necessary for commercial purposes to subtract a sprat iron, a small pickle jar, two lemons, one pepper pot, a black beetle trap and the knob of a dresser drawer. What remains? Toasting fork. In numbers. How many? One. Here is a boy, ma'am. You'll excuse me addressing the chair, Professor Jackman. I think the period of the lecture has now arrived when it becomes necessary that I should take a good hug of this young scholar. You need not let him know, ma'am, but he is a boy. <laughs> In this way, Jemmy grew and grew and went to day school and continued under the major too. In summer, we were as happy as the days were long, and in winter, we were as happy as the days were short. And there seemed to rest a blessing on the lodgings, for they as good as let themselves, and would have done so if there had been twice the accommodation. But, sore and hard against my will, the day came. You wish to speak to me, madam? Major, you know what I am going to break to you. Our boy must go to boarding school. Madam. Yes, Major. Though he is as popular with the lodgers as you are yourself, and though he is to you and me what only you and me know, 
Still it is in the course of things and life is made of partings and we must part with our pet. Mum. <coughs> but you have so well prepared him, Major. He's had such a tutor in you that he will have none of the drudgery to go through and he is so clever besides that he'll soon make his way to the front rank. He is a boy that has not his like on the face of the earth. True as you say, Major. And it is not for us merely for our own sakes to do anything to keep him back from being a credit and an ornament wherever he goes. And perhaps even rising to be a great man, is it, Major? He will have all my little savings when my work is done, being all the world to me. And we must try and make him a wise man and a good man, mustn't we, Major? Madam, Jimmy Jackman is becoming an older file than I was aware of. And you put him to show. You are thoroughly right, Madam. You are simply and undeniably right. And if you'll excuse me now, I'll take a walk. So, the Major being gone out and Jimmy being at home... I got the child into my little room here and I stood him by my chair and I spoke to him, loving and serious. Yes, Gran? Darling, you are now in your tenth year and I'll get on in life pretty much and will soon be a man. So me and the Major have decided that it will be best for you now to go to boarding school. I understand, Gran. I know it must be, Gran. You shall see, Gran, that I can be a man and that I can do anything that is grateful and loving to you. And if I don't grow up to be what you would like to have me, I will hope I will be because I shall die. <laughs> oh, we cried. And I too. And we were much the better for it. From that time forth, he was as true to his word and ever blithe the ready. And even when me and the Major took him down into Lincolnshire, he was far the cheeriest of the party, although for sure and certain he might easily have been that. But he really was and put life into us only when it came to the last goodbye. You wouldn't have me not really sorry, would you, Gran? But now that the child has gone out of the lodgings... The Major fell into a regular moping state. It was taken notice of by all the lodgers that the Major moped. He hadn't even the same air of being rather tall that he used to have. And if he varnished his boots with a single gleam of interest, it was as much as he did. One evening, he came into my little room to take a cup of tea and a morsel of buttered toast and to read Jemmy's newest letter, which had arrived that afternoon. Jemmy Jackman, madam, is an older file than I thought him. Major, you mustn't get into the moping way. Moping is not the way to grow younger. My dear madam, is there any way of growing younger? Uh, but, but 13 years, 13 years. Many lodgers have come and gone in the 13 years that you have lived in the parlours, Major. <laughs> many, madam, many. And I should say that you have been familiar with them all? As a rule, with its exceptions, like all rules, my dear madam, they have honoured me with their acquaintance and not unfrequently with their confidence. Watching the Major as he drooped his white head and stroked his black moustachios and moped again, a thought 
which I think must have been going about looking for an owner somewhere, dropped into my old noddle, if you will excuse the expression. (sighs) The walls of my lodgings might have something to tell if they could tell it. Mm. Our dear boy was always fond of storybooks. I'm sure this house, his own home, might write a story or two for his reading one day or another. Hmm. It is unquestionable that, in intervals of cribbage and a friendly rubber, my dear madam, and also over a social glass or two in what used to be called my younger times, in the salad days of Jemmy Jackman, I have exchanged many a reminiscence with your lodgers. Oh, I wish our dear boy had heard them. Are you serious, madam? Why not, Major? Madam, they shall be written for him. Oh, now you speak. Now you are in a way out of moping, Major. (laughs) Between this and my holidays, I mean the dear boys, a good deal may be done towards it. Major, you are a clever man and you have seen much and not a doubt of it. I'll begin tomorrow. My dear, the Major was another man in three days and he was himself again in a week and he wrote and wrote and wrote with his pen scratching away like rats behind the wood panelling and whether he had many grounds to go upon or whether he did it all romance things I cannot tell you but what he has written is in the left-hand glass closet of the little bookcase close behind you Now... Let's have another cup of tea, shall we? In Mrs Lirriper's Lodgings by Charles Dickens, Mrs Lirriper was played by S.J. Vant and Major Jemmy Jackman by Mike Ayres. Miss Wozenham was inhabited by Jane Pulford and Little Jemmy by Frankie Hart. Emma Willits possessed the part of Mrs Edson with the policeman officiated by Mark Smith and Mr Lirriper by Jim Newberry. All other parts were played by members of this cast. Mrs Lirriper's Lodgings was adapted for audio by Jim Newberry with sound engineering and effects created by Robbie Burgess. It was a joint Old Dolly and Uptick production. <laughs>